Hi, everybody. It's Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. Back with a good friend, Mike Cernovich, a lawyer and the author of a great book, Guerrilla Mindset, How to Control Your Thoughts and Emotions to Live Life on Your Terms. We're going to put his links below, twitter.com slash Cernovich, dangerandplay.com for his blog, and the periscope.tv slash play dangerously, which has been beaming to our dimension the wildest stuff from, in particular, the DNC uh, convention. So how are you doing today, Mike? Are we having fun yet? <laughs> well, you know, so I was watching this on my cell phone the other night. Uh, my daughter was uh, playing around. She's like, what are you watching? It sounds really pretentious, but I'm watching history. I am watching history right now, both in the content of what you're showing and the form in which you're showing it. And the amount of views that you get on these periscopes is really quite uh, staggering. So I wonder if you can, you know, for those who weren't um, privileged or lucky enough or hardworking enough to get there, what were some of the things that you saw at the DNC that you would like recorded for posterity? Well, you know, where to start, where to start. So I used to call what I do sort of journalism about journalism. And by that, I mean, I want to show where the press is, where they aren't, what they're doing and what they're not doing. So what I saw there and what you saw in Periscope is when we have a big Bernie protest, they're not there. Why aren't they covering these protests? There was a big, a big protest that happened inside the convention center. 1,900 Bernie delegates walked out. They leave. Their chairs are empty. The media goes blank. You know, oh, crap, how are we going to fill these chairs? They come out, and then what do I see? I see Bernie people, far outnumber the pro-Hillary people, and then one Bernie delegate says, you have to support Bernie. If you don't support Bernie, you're all sent by Trump. And he started coming up with weird conspiracy theories about the, how the Bernie delegates were part of Trump. And then I noticed every major camera from every major network was on him. So I just started going, literally, for those of you watching, if you didn't see the Periscope, I said, this is WikiLeaks in action. Look at the propaganda right now. There's a Bernie supporter over there, and she's being ignored. And this person is a pro-Hillary shill, and all the cameras are there. And there was like a, oh, like it's like a pen drop. The press realized that they had been caught trying to create a hoax. And the hoax they were trying to create was that, oh, yeah, there really aren't that many Bernie people who don't like Hillary. They're all actually pro-Hillary. So in real time on that Periscope, you guys were able to see that hoax in real time, and that shows you what the news really is. No, it really is. And, and you've also pointed out how at the RNC, the relatively small protests were sort of, let, let's film from our knees, let's get more balloons and, and, and farm animals, and, and let's get uh, stand-ins and extras and, and so on, trying to make the protests at the RNC look large, while the huge and enormous DNC protests, I mean, particularly from the Bernie supporters, they tried to minimize or erase completely. Yeah, so the RNC was interesting. I, I, I always like to count people, and if you're there long enough, you can kind of figure it out. There were at most 120 people total at the RNC, and that's all the protests. 120, that's not a typo, people. One, two, zero. And what you would do is if there's one protester, you would have 10 cameras around this protester. And then if that protester moved down the block two hours later, then you would have another, you know, the cameras would follow me. Oh, we got another protest. The first day that I was at the DNC, there were 5,000 at least Bernie people protesting. There were multiple protests with thousands of people. And I talked to other people. They said it could have been up to 10,000 people. And then you're thinking, well, where's, where's the media coverage of that? 5,000 people? Is the, is the Democratic base really not as united as the media wants us to believe? 
Well, yeah, that, that's obviously now you, you learn. What you learn is, you know, bias, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, bias is hard to prove. But when you see it in action like that, then that's where you really start to understand that, yeah, the, the media is going to completely give a blackout on Bernie people. The media has a narrative that the Trump people are divided, even though we're only, there are only a few um, Trump protesters. And that's just the way it's going to be, and that's how they lie to us. It's very subtle, but that's why I want to show people visually that it appears subtle when the news actually filters to you. But when you watch it live, you're like, oh, this makes total sense. And after the delegates walked out, as you say, almost 2,000, um, it was like the Oscars. You know, someone gets up to go, boom, put someone in the seat. They had seat fillers. They rush in. And then CNN, as you point out, only airs the footage after all of the seat uh, fillers have, have gone and taken their place. Yeah, I actually saw somebody posted uh, a live video of the DNC when everybody walked out and the lights were on and it was, looked like half of it was empty. There was and then CNN, they turned the lights off real quick. And then suddenly the seats are filled again. Now, there was a Craigslist ad going around that I think might have been a hoax, but it's really hard to tell where they were actually hiring seat fillers to be there on duty to fill in. All I know is around 2,000 people walked out of the convention center. The seats were empty. The lights went out. When the lights went back on, there were, there were people there, so I don't know where they came from. Do, uh, was this when they turned the lights out and the Bernie Sanders supporters were using their, I think their cell phone, cell phone flashlight functions like the flash to, to light up? Was that the same time or was that a different time? No, that, was a, that was actually a different time. So that was, I know, right? How do you keep track? So, no, no, the, there were people, I think it was from Oregon, Bernie supporters Sanders were chanting for Bernie. So they turned the lights out on the people who were chanting for Bernie. And then they turn the flashlights on. I'm talking about the big walkout, the big delegate walkout, which I think was Tuesday night, where the lights were on. CNN realized, oh, wow, people see this empty stadium. So then they turned the lights off. That way you couldn't tell how empty it was. But, yeah, the, the, the burning flashlight thing was, I think, last night, and they did it to, I think it was Oregon. It's hard to keep track because they're really, they're, the, the Democratic Party is, if you, if you said, Mike, what is your, like, big story other than media fraud? The Democratic Party is way more divided than anybody is telling anyone. Their Hillary is looking so bad. I talked to so many Bernie people who 20% of them I say are going to go Trump. 20% of them just aren't going to vote. So Hillary is going to get maybe 50 or 60% of the Bernie people. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people stay when the buffet goes from free to expensive. And uh, that's probably where they're coming from. And it sort of struck me that... The entire purpose of the media when attending a Trump rally over the past year has been to show, to avoid showing how many people are there. And then at the DNC, they're trying to avoid showing how many people aren't there. And so it's not just that it's pro, it's the anti-Trump and the pro-Hillary stuff. This combined creates such a credibility gap. You could drive the Titanic right through it. Right. I'll give you a perfect example. I went to the Costa Mesa rally uh, for Donald Trump. Huge. It was like a big concert. The vibe is positive. Everybody's happy. No cameras rolling. They're looking for that one person in the crowd who gets escorted out. They're looking for that one little thing. And then they want to make that one person. And, you know, like Gavin McInnes had said before, if you go to a Rush concert, you're going to have a fight. If you go to a, you know, if you put 10,000 people in an enclosed area, you're going to have a fight regardless of who it is. The media wants to say, oh, look at this guy. They're all violent at the rally. Meanwhile, you go outside the Costa Mesa and it's like third world hellhole. 
I, you know, I couldn't believe it. I did a post, I think, from Trump rally to Trump riot. I went outside, and you didn't even know you were an American anymore. There were Mexican flags everywhere. People were burning out their cars on the street. There was smoke everywhere. People were lighting fires. It was like dealing with savages, not even real people. The media sure wasn't that interested in covering that story, though. But let there be one fight in a Trump event. That becomes, oh, my God, Trump and this culture of violence. No, the culture of violence is actually coming from the left. Well, you know, as our friend Vox Day has pointed out, social justice warriors always project. And the left, yeah, when they run out of manipulations, they bring out the fists, they bring out the uh, the lighters and so on. And it was startling. And I try not to be too startled by these things. But every now and then, I guess I stay young by being startled by this stuff, Mike. But no American flags. No. no. I mean, lo- lo- a lot of other flags of questionable nationalism, to put it mildly, no American flags. Oh, except the ones that are on fire. Exactly. That's the only way you're going to see an American flag is if they're burning one. And we actually, yeah, we actually caught a flag burning and then we saw a woman go to put it out, step on it, then her dress got on fire. She started getting burning. Then the anarchists got mad. They had lighter fluid and they were trying to attack her. And then there was a fight between within the Bernie people, the, the anarchists, which are the, the real nutty. I mean, if you could imagine the left, if you think social justice warriors are nutty, well, the anarchists are like the social justice warriors, the social justice warriors. And that's another thing that I find interesting is that, you know, on Twitter, you'll have people post, you know, a frog with a swastika or something, and the media treats that like a huge deal. Trump must disavow. But you don't hear the media say, well, look at these anarchists assaulting women, fighting people burning flags, throwing lighter fluid, agitating people. They throw water balloons at people. Shouldn't Bernie have to disavow or shouldn't Hillary have to disavow? But you'll never hear the media really push that issue at all. Well, Trump has to disavow David Duke, who he could barely remember, but Hillary was not asked to disavow her mentor, who was actually part of the KKK for a lot longer than David Duke in his youth was. And the other double standard you see, of course, which has been pointed out a number of times, is Ivanka Trump is always asked by journalists about her father's treatment of women. I've not seen one question directed at Chelsea Clinton along the same lines where you could argue that it would be a little bit more relevant and meaty. Yeah, I've I've been telling people, you know, I think most of your listeners are skeptical of the media, but I hold the media with like utter contempt and the contempt I held the media in is even greater now. So I've been telling people, however low your opinion of the media is, it needs to go 10 times lower because in real time, and that's why I like the Twitter, the live thing on Twitter is I don't edit stuff. I just say, look, look, look right here. You can see there's no media, NBC, CNN, MSNBC. They're not covering this huge protest where they're trying to storm down the wall. They're not covering the cages that we're in. So, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Cassandra Fairbanks, and I have been covering it, sort of tag teaming. When you go inside the compound of the DNC, there are so many cages everywhere that media can't get to cover anything because they'll say, oh, there's a protest over by the Uber booth last night, which is what happened. So we go to cover one protest and they go, no, 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 this area is caged off. You have to go leave the other end of the cage walk around, you have to walk the equivalent of four or five city blocks. So by the time we got to the Uber protests, they were over and the media couldn't even cover it. So the DNC is completely, I've talked to multiple, which you, which you and I would consider social justice warriors who are like, you know what, I'm not down with Trump, but I've never been treated with such contempt as a member of the press as the way the DNC has treated me. 
Well, they had no barriers to cover any protests that were occurring at the RNC. No, that, and that's what they're, I mean, that's, people are being red-pilled in a way because they're saying with the RNC, the protests, you could get right up to the convention area. You could go right up to the delegates. So at the RNC, the police would make a little, I don't know, a tunnel, and then the delegates could walk through that little tunnel of police. And you could be a protester, and you could yell whatever you want, say whatever you want. At the DNC, cages everywhere, four miles around, but it's really hard to appreciate until you get inside the complex. You're talking four, five, six, seven city blocks just to walk anywhere, and no protesters are allowed at all. So the protesters are kept behind a great big wall. The media has been treated with other contempt, isn't being allowed to do its job. The police have orders to shut down areas where press want to be so that the media can't cover the protest. So you're talking a cover-up in a police state right in front of your eyes. Well, and a couple of thoughts popped to my mind, of course. The first is that Donald Trump has for the last year, I know he talked about it before, but it's really been front and center over the last year, has been repeatedly pointing out how dishonest most of the people in the media are. And of course, a lot of the Bernie supporters will have watched those speeches, you know, to see if he's can, he's going to say something that they can attack or criticize. And the fact that Trump has been saying, well, the media is pretty dishonest, the DNC is crooked Hillary and so on. And then they see it up close. I think it might give a little bit more weight to his words. You know how he pulled the press credentials of the Washington Post and everyone was like, oh, that's terrible. This is censorship. And then with the WikiLeaks email dumps, it turns out the Washington Post is uh, neck deep uh, in collusion with these guys. So again, he seems to be pretty damn accurate when it comes to this. And of course, the optics of keeping disruptive people out of your um, living space by putting up endless barriers while decrying uh, Donald Trump wanting to build a wall. The optics are pretty hard to massage into a better looking state. Right. And that's why CNN, MSNBC are covering it up. There should be helicopter coverage of the complex. There should be helicopter coverage of the protests, big, huge aerial shots. And you're not going to get any of that. So, as much as I don't like to be afraid ever of anything in life, we have at the DNC a microcosm of the police state that Hillary wants. Cages everywhere, the preferred people, the preferred class in one area, and then the poor people, the rabble behind walls in another area, the gated community. Now, there was actually another thing very interesting that should be a much bigger story. I'm inside the Infinity Bar. There's these little bar and grills where the press can go in and eat. And I said, oh, you know, I figure the guys are happy. They're busy. And I go, you know, how are things going? He goes, this is terrible. I hate it. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, the only people allowed in now are the media. So they're not making any money. And I thought, well, isn't it interesting that the wait staff has to work hard for less money and the DNC isn't making up that shortfall at all? So you realize Democrats, they really do just view us as sheep to be slaughtered, people to be exploited, and everything bad that I thought about Democrats, again, when you see it in real life up close like this, you can only have complete and total contempt. And I don't like Republicans either, but it's utter contempt, and you realize what a danger that the left really is. Well, and people wonder about the rise of Trump, and I would argue it's because one of the reasons is that the mainstream media in general, in my opinion, has almost completely given up on being any kind of check uh, on state power. You know, the the whole idea was, you know, speak truth to power, push back, get to the bottom of the story, uh, no matter where it leads and so on. And not only have they failed in their duty to check 
state power, which they have far more power to do than the average citizen, and I, I would argue far more responsibility than the average citizen, not only have they failed to check state power, but it seems now they're actively behind helping it spread by massaging and managing the message so consistently for the left. Yeah, in theory, the journalism is media is the fourth estate, and you're a check on the other three branches of government. You hold everybody accountable. In reality, what we call the media, the free press, is really just the propaganda arm of the left and the propaganda arm of the DNC. And one thing I noticed, too, being around all these journalists, you had heard it before, and I'm sure that you suspected this, but intellectuals, and this is why we're losing, and this is why we have to retake journalism, intellectuals don't become journalists. So I was at these events, they don't read books, when Danny Glover, who was the star of Lethal Weapon, I watched as a little kid, comes in the media, like, just circles them. Oh my God, we have a, a celebrity here. That's all they care about. The media, it's easy to see why they aren't intelligent because mediocrities become members of the press. Actual intelligent people like you, you know, run your own thing. But in a way though, you know, that's why we have to take more personal responsibility and more ownership because if the intelligent people don't go in and take back over media, then these people are allowed to spread their lies. Right. When, I can't remember which night it was, when you realized that the Bernie Sanders were marching on the DNC. And the, you said that in the Periscope there were helicopters overhead and uh, there were a lot of people. What happened when the protesters got to the DNC? Okay, so there have been marches every day and today should probably be the best day. The first day they marched, they marched the wall, they hold a rally. The second day, more of the same. Yesterday, they were almost, I thought they'd breached the wall. So last night, there was nothing all day. So I was just hanging out again with the, um, the privileged class in the air-conditioned area while the rabbles left out in 95-degree heat. So I was amongst the privileged journalist um, class. We're hanging out, and then we hear, okay, there's a protest at the Uber tent, which is inside the perimeter. So that must have been delegates. So we rushed over there. We saw a couple people get arrested. Then we go outside, and then there's another big march, probably a couple thousand people there, and we're covering it live. And then what happened is I went and moved away for a little bit to let my phone cool down because it was overheating, and I see a bunch of people run running towards me. And they're like, the wall's down, the wall's down. So, of course, I turn on Periscope. I rush back in. They had almost breached the wall, or they might have breached the wall, so police had to come from behind the wall and stand in between the wall and the protesters. And then that was when I started that other periscope. Almost like border guards, come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not going to get through that wall. So there was also a um, Black Lives Matter march. Oh, that's was right. Actually yeah. the case. Yeah, I, just, just, I, I don't even want to introduce that story. Why don't you just give people the breakdown of what happened? Yeah, I mean, long story short is the if you're white and you're at a Black Lives protest march, you have to go to the back of the bus. They said if you're – and we got it on video. You know, the mainstream media doesn't cover this, but that's why we video it all. They said all white people, all white media, all white press, go to the back. Go to the back. If you're black, go to the front. Segregation in real time, and that's what that is about. So it isn't about diversity. It is about if you're white, get to the back. And they're very, I mean, they're very aggressive. It isn't like, okay, get to the back. No, they're like, go to the back. And at one point I was filming it. I had a guy, black guy, just yelling at me, screaming at me as I'm walking. Get out of here. You can't be in the middle of here. Trying to be kind of aggressive to me. The women felt very sort of intimidated, you know, like anything could go wrong. 
And then also at that march, and we got this on video too, they, there was a guy just in there filming and taking pictures, and it was a journalist, but he was a white man, so they thought he was a cop. And they were like, get him out of here, get him out of here. So they grab him, they rush him out of the line, then people start chasing him. He has to go by the cops, they're trying to get after him. And that's what that really is about. It's about violence against people. And anybody who says it's a violent movement, there's really nothing else to say about that. Well, and of course, we can all imagine, not that it would ever happen, but if uh, any um, Republican march uh, tried to move black people to the back, I mean, <laughs> you'd never hear the end of it. I mean, they even make up stuff, that racist stuff that Republicans are supposed to have done. And... Um, of course, the double standards apply, and the double standards are what's going to tear society apart unless we find some way to uh, resolve them. Now, do you think that there was any signal blocking that may have occurred anywhere around the DNC? Because it seemed like on Periscope, your signal did kind of cut in and out, and I'm not sure it would be based on just sort of data traffic or volume. Yes, yeah, so I actually talked to a special forces communications tech when I was down there, and he said, yeah, they have stingers, they have, they have blockers. So... The first night I was there, it was huge. So my signal was terrible, and people go, Mike, Mike is a conspiracy theory. There's just a lot of people there. And I go, okay, maybe, maybe I'll accept that explanation. But last night, I was one of the first people there. Nobody had cell phones out. My reception was great. And then you go to this little corner, and the next thing you know, the reception starts cutting out, and it was cutting out for everybody. I was with Cassandra. She has, she's on three different networks. She even had, like, a portable Wi-Fi thing. Sprint, ATT, T-Mobile, every signal was out. There weren't that many people actually, there wasn't enough data usage happening collectively to explain it. So there was definitely some kind of data blockage going on. And people I talked to, they go, oh yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a, I think they called it a stingray or something that they had been signaling out. So it wouldn't actually jam you because that would be too obvious. But the data would just be completely throttled and it was very hard to do. And then funnily enough, after I start calling it out, more people arrive, and then it actually, reception gets better, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's, oh, wait, we call this out. People start asking questions. I start posting that on Twitter. Suddenly, more people show up with cameras, and yet the reception gets better. Isn't that awfully interesting? So I would find that a little weird in isolation. Well, what do you mean? The blocking signals. I would think that's weird if that was your only story, but when there's multiple walls, the media, Cassandra posted this on her Twitter. The police just said, no, we're under direct orders from the DNC to not allow press in this area. When we have actual censorship and collusion between the DNC and the police, and the police are saying, sorry, we can't let you through, then there's nothing implausible. So there's abs it's absolutely true that they've been blocking uh, cell phone signals. Well, and I remember, of course, the big controversy with uh – Melissa Click, remember the redhead woman who's, you've got to get out, you've got to get out, you're not allowed to yep. film here, it's like a public space. And the guy was saying, no, I'm allowed to film here, it's a public space. But if the police are actively interfering with that right, uh, that is a pretty dangerous incursion, I would say. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, what do you do is kind of the situation. So me, you know, I deal with police and I know that you're not going to win an argument on the street with a police officer, ever. So you just have to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I'm moving off. So, oh, yeah, I'm moving through. Because they're like, keep moving, keep moving. You can't be over here. And then I saw people coming out with zip ties being arrested from one of the things. So I got three people on camera being arrested. But I wanted to get everybody on camera and find out. Right? So why do they care? Because there's a barricade. Here's, what, here's what's troubling about it, okay? 
if I'm interfering with the police, then I understand get out of my way. But there was actually a barricade on the left, a barricade on the right. The police were moving the people being arrested through the barricade. And all I was doing was standing on the other end of the barricade. So why can't I stand there and record that? Well, Cassandra was asking, and the police said, oh, yeah, the DNC said no media is allowed back here. That's just it. We're following orders, et cetera. So, yeah, on the one hand, there is that whole Nuremberg thing with the police. Well, we're just following orders, ma'am. But the bigger picture is that those are line officers, and from the very top of the food chain, they're actually censoring the press. So forget about Trump taking the Washington Post credentials. They can still go to a rally. They can still cover it. They can still do journalism. If you're at the DNC, you can't even do journalism because they have police enforcement. That is actual fascism. That is actual censorship. Well, the whole point of a barrier, of course, is to say you can go here, but no further. And if it, then you can't even go up to the barrier. That's anyway, it's a whole other thing. So another thing that, of course, has popped up recently is, um, I don't know, it's just another one of these manufactured Salem witch trial hysterias the media seems to be pumping about Trump's comments about Russia and emails and Hillary. Have you been following that at all? Yeah, Trump makes a joke and that joke becomes national news. But the joke is on the media because now everybody is talking again about Hillary's email. So what, what did he say and how was it misinterpreted? Okay, so Trump is giving a press conference conference, giving things off the cuff, and he goes, because remember the media, they don't want to talk about the corruption that WikiLeaks exposed. They want to call it Russian hackers, these nefarious Russian hackers from, you know, Red Dawn Part 2, the hackers edition of Russia, you know? So they don't want to address that. They've always wanted to call it hack. So he goes, okay, well, maybe the Russian hackers have those 33,000 emails. They should send those to the media. Funny. I think it's a joke. He's making fun of the media. So then the narrative becomes Trump is asking the Russian government to intervene in an American election and to sabotage Hillary. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, by now, the people, even, even normal people now, they're so over it. They're, they're just not buying it anymore. So what Trump actually did was he also told the media to say, let's keep talking about Hillary's email. And, of course, the pundit class is going, oh, oh, my God. And then here's another insight I had. So, you know, because you, your audience is philosophers and you always want to do epistemology, the source of knowledge. How do we know what we know, right? So I've had major, like, epistemological breakers, right? Epistemological. How do we know what we know? Well, these pundits are nowhere, nowhere to be found. So what is really their source of knowledge? How do they know anything? How do, if you're not talking to the protesters, if you're not covering these rallies, if you're not talking to people covering these rallies then how do you even know what is relevant or what matters anymore? So then I got to thinking, these people won't even go cover a protest by these people, I mean the media, and now they want us to believe that they have insight into Russian hacking groups. What a joke, right? A little further away, a little harder to get to, and a little bit of a language barrier than go down the street and talk to people uh, at the pro- who are protesting. Yeah, they won't even do that. They won't even, like, leave the air-conditioned tent and say, hey, you know, what do you burning people have to think about the world? But somehow we're supposed to believe that they have ties to secret Russian hackers. Total joke. You can't believe anything from these people. One thing the media did talk about, Mike, um, was that uh, certainly on Trump's final accepted speech, you know, the, the universal, the dark speech, it's a dark speech and so on. 
And there was some of this relentless, sunny optimism going on from the speeches that I saw at the DNC. But it is always, we've got to love our enemies. We've got to build bridges. Now I'm going to stick a shiv in Trump's image. So it was always like, we're going to be nice. And then they sort of, they seemed to give them permission to not be nice. But if you sort of combine what was going on outside and what was going on inside, it seems to me a lot more Hunger Games kind of dark than anything that ever went on at the RNC, where from what I saw, things seemed uh, resolute and somewhat optimistic, but realistic. Yeah, at the RNC, everybody mingled together. You were all, there was, in, at the RNC, there was a place called Public Square, and that was where the protesters would go, pro-Trump people would go. Everybody was in that little area. And then that was about three or four blocks away from the RNC. So you, they would go to Public Square, they'd march to RNC. Everybody's mingling. Even if you disagree, for the most part, everybody was well-behaved. Here, there is definitely a Brazil vibe, a um, communist vibe, basically, which is, you know, you see this in Vietnam, we're the chosen class, we're the leading class, and then the rest of the rabble is going to be kept as far away from us as possible. And we're going to even pretend like the rabble doesn't exist. So Hunger Games is exactly right. And um, what do you expect might be going down over the remainder of the um, the convention? Do you think that there's going to be another um, uh, assertive movement from the Bernie supporters? So tonight with Hillary Speaks, the energy of the crowd has been changing. Last night, the energy was a lot angrier. There was definitely some scuffles. There was some violence. And I think tonight the energy is going to be even more aggressive. So last night they started, you know, trying to get through the wall. They may have actually got through the wall and then police came and closed it down. I think tonight could potentially be the powder keg goes off after Hillary talks. Wow. With a neutered police force to boot. And... There is an odd thing, and, and you, people can see this on Twitter. I think you've uh, tweeted it as well. What is that thing on her tongue? A hole? A mole? I, like, what, what is going on with that? Yeah, Hillary's tongue. Hashtag Hillary's tongue. Is it a cancer? Maybe that's why she coughs all the time, right? She hasn't given a press conference in 235 days. <clears throat> she coughs. We saw the other day, you know, the seizure video. This is not a healthy person. So... Yeah, it could be a tumor on her tongue. She could have mouth cancer. And that would explain why she doesn't want to talk much and why she won't do press conferences, why she's been coughing. Could be, could be some sort of um, mouth cancer. Could be HPV from her relationship with Huma, you know. Uh, Humia was with Anthony Cumia, or not Anthony, sorry, Anthony Weiner, you know, who, as we know, was sexing people and everything else. So who knows what kind of diseases they're spreading amongst each other. We'll find out. So um, I really do appreciate your time. It's great to get the update. I'm obviously sorry I, <laughs> I can't be there next time. Uh, if there is one uh, that's this volatile, uh, we'll see how it goes uh, in, in November. I just wanted to remind people, please, please go. Dangerandplay.com. Mike is an excellent writer, and you'll always come away with something great from his writing. Twitter.com slash Cernovich. And, of course, Periscope.tv slash Play Dangerously. Mike, stay safe, and thank you so much for the update. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care.